The VC Show. You already know about the Low Post Podcast with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse. But have you listened to the VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Goldenwoodet, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports entertainment? They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC Show. Listen when you're listening to this podcast. Don't allow him to have a 30-point, 10-assist game, eight rebound, along with Anthony Davis playing like he did and then D'Lo and the supporting cast continue to play like that, like that that says Lakers championship all over it. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. Across from me, as always, Izzy Gutierrez. We got a special guest today, and I'm gonna read a little bit about him to give you a inside as to who we're speaking to two-time nba all-star second team all nba um nba all rookie second team 2012 ap honorable mention all american 2011 two-time first team all pack 10 2010 2011 second team all pack 10 2009 two-time pack 10 tournament mvp 10 and 11 pack 10 freshman of the year number two is retired in the rafters for the washington huskies without further ado Isaiah Thomas, appreciate you joining the podcast hey man appreciate you having me i've been i've been waiting to get on get on the pod no, I'm excited to have you on, man. I think a lot of people didn't understand the impact you had on basketball until they watched today, right? You see guards under six foot, guards under six two, how impactful they are in the NBA in terms of shot creation, in terms of ability to create space. We talked about Jalen Brunson right uh, right before we started recording. A guy who's maybe 5'11 on his tiptoes. <laughs> <laughs> right, getting into it. Uh, I want to take it back a little bit. What did you work on, you know, in high school, in college that had that translated to most in the NBA once you got there? Because I think a lot of people don't realize how hard it is to create space at each level, right? High school, you, you, your crossover don't have to be as tight. College got to be a little bit tighter to get to the league. It has to be super tight. But what did you work on that translated most in the NBA once you got there? Um, the, the thing I worked on the most was, first off, my jump shot. Um, I, I was always a scorer growing up, but I was never like a knockdown shooter. And I knew for my, my my jump from college to the pros, I would have to be able to shoot at a high clip being a small guard. So that was that was number one. But my biggest thing was finishing in the paint. Like I've always been good at finishing in the paint, but the transition from college to the pros, like my first few months in the league were so difficult for me because I always found ways how to finish in the paint. But now these guys are longer, bigger, jump jump higher. And it wasn't necessarily guys was blocking my shot, but they were changing my shot. And that had a lot to do with not just in the paint, but even with my even with my jump shot. It was it was getting to a point where they were affecting it just a little bit. So I had to work on things like, you know, like your step back. I had to work on step backs. I had to work on hesitation moves just to get my defender slightly off balance so I can get a little bit of separation. And, you know, that's something I work on to this day. And I think if you're a small guard, if you're an undersized guard, you got to have variety of moves to get you separation, not only to get to the cup, but most importantly, to get to your jump shot that frees everything else up. So that's something that, you know, over the time of high school, college to the pros, something that I watched film on, something that I, I really emphasized on getting better at each and every year is trying to find ways to get my separation. So the longer, taller guys that can jump higher as well aren't affecting anything I have to do on the offensive end. Isaiah, it seems like, you know, the, the regardless of position, the guys are getting taller and taller in this league. You got Victor Wembanyama coming in next year. Um, <clears throat> for guys who still know how to do or can do what you can do, what's the best way to sort of differentiate yourself, right? Because unless you're in a bunch of practices, you can't really see how I can finish necessarily in traffic. How do you do that? How do you differentiate yourself to say, hey, I might be one of the small guys, but I can still survive in that league? I, I think you got to play a lot. Like you you have to, you know, no, nowadays, even the youth, everybody drills a lot. Everybody's mm -hmm. doing drill work. The cones don't move. So you're going to have to try these moves and these things that not necessarily you can work on in a workout, but you can try them against any type of talent. Long as they're long, tall, they can jump, they can jump out the gym a little bit. I think that's what helped me 
in terms of my offseason preparation, no matter if it was high school, college, or the pros, I went out and played five-on-five. I played a lot of five-on-five and just tried things that can ultimately work when I'm, you know, when I'm playing against pro-level players. So back home in Seattle, we got a lot of guys that, you know, played in the NBA, play overseas. So we're playing throughout each and every summer. And I think that was the the point of emphasis for me was I got to try these moves on guys that are longer, taller, taller, bigger than me and see if they work. And if they do, let me work on them in my drill work to perfect them and get even better at them and be even more efficient at those once the game time comes. You talked about the importance of playing pickup, right? <clears throat> there's been conversations about load management. There's been conversations about a lot of stuff. And I think one of the issues that we're seeing now is that guys aren't playing enough in the summer or they're playing too much. It's one or the other uh, yeah. that, that I've seen continuing to happen. What changes do you think you strategically made over the course of your career from a load management standpoint, if you will, in terms of your training? Like, I think one of the things that I've done with my body now is I used to take five days off when the season ends. Now I take two weeks off. So it's like figuring out what's the period in which you can allow your body to decompress before you slowly ramp back up um, to the two days and the three days. So how have you kind of shifted that first part? And the second part is how's your body feeling now um, after the training and rest that you've properly given it? Yeah, I, I think to answer your first question, early on when I was in the league, it was like the off season, like you said, it was maybe a couple of days off and I was getting right back to it. And then as you get older, you understand your body a little more. You understand what what's needed, you know, needs and wants to your body. And then you go that direction. I think uh, especially for me now, I played 11 years in the NBA. I'm 34 years old. I'm still trying to pursue that, you know, the, uh, to get on the NBA roster. You got to understand your body. You got you got to you got to use your body. You got to take care of your body, but you got to understand it. I don't need to go out there and work out seven times a week no more, three hours a day. I don't I don't I don't necessarily need to do that. Like now I can work out maybe five days a week and and go a couple of them days out of the week. Go 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 on um, two a days. Like so you 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 don't you, as you get older, you want to work smarter, not harder. And that's what I realized as I got you know, more years in the league, like I don't got to make 500 shots every day. But when I go in there and make 300, they got to be very efficient. They got to make up for the 200 that I didn't make. So, you know, you just got to learn your body, learn what you need to get better at. And I think as, you know, as we get older, as guys that's been in the league get older, you figure out things that you need to just work on and then you work on that and you you take care of business on that end. Other than that, it's like everything's a little extra. So don't play five days a week. But also you need to get up and down a couple of days a week. I think that's that's always smart to to figure out what what is needed with your body and your skill set. There's so many people who love watching you play in the league. And you just mentioned, you know, you're still pursuing that. Can you kind of take us through if if you're comfortable with it? Just like what happened after the the injury and kind of where you settled in and where you are now, just uh, recovering from that and, and trying to get back in. Um, you know, I, I got injured in 2017. So for three years after that, the next three seasons I played for, I think the Lakers, Denver, Washington Wizards, and then I had a couple of 10 days with an, with a few other teams. And then I ended last the, the last year's season with the Hornets. Um, I didn't get ultimate I didn't get fully healthy till 2020, you know, when COVID hit and it was a blessing in disguise for me as you know, everything got shut down and it gave me the the actual time I needed to get the correct surgery to fix my you know my hip problem that I had so that took me when I when I got surgery in May 2020 it took me about nine months to get fully healthy so from that point forward from 2021 whatever that was nine months later I've been a hundred percent like I've been feeling like I did before I got injured my body's been, you know, in a in a in a great space. My mind, more so, my mind's been in a great space, and I've I've jumped that hurdle of, you know, the mental side of things when you do get injured. Not 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 necessarily like the physical side, but the mental side takes a toll on you. And I jumped that hurdle. So, like I said, I ended last season, last year's season, with the Hornets. I didn't get to play this year on a on a roster, but I was talking to teams throughout the whole season. You know, teams were checking on me. So, you know, that gives me a little sign of, you know, positivity, knowing that I'm still communicating with teams and there's still a chance. Like I, I always believe in myself and I and I just feel like 
you know, at some point, especially with this free agency this coming year, you know, somebody's going to pull the trigger and give me a chance, whether, you know, that be vet leadership or give me a chance to go out there and show that I can still play at a high level. You know, I can I can do a lot of things to help an organization. But to answer your question, I'm 100 percent healthy. I feel like I did, you know, before I got injured and I'm still only 34 years old with, you know, not having a lot of pounding on my body the last three or four years. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think looking at the league now, oh, you talked about better leadership. You talked about obviously we all know you can still hoop. A lot of teams need someone that can still hoop, but can also speak to what they've done and allow them to kind of understand like what it takes to be a professional. I think we've seen that with a lot of teams across the league in terms of how young the league is getting, where guys coming in 19, 20 years old, guys coming in five, you know, two semesters worth of school. <laughs> Uh, underneath their belt, and some of them are, are going abroad or to OTE um, and then coming right to the league. So I think the understanding of the importance of having veteran guys in the locker room who have been in the league for more than six years, more than seven years, more than eight years, I think is extremely important and something that needs to continue to happen to rosters around the league so that we avoid you know some of the situations we're seeing with teams and players, but also so that they're able to have someone they can relate to, so they can still yeah. go practice with, go play with, go out to eat with, you know, go out to have a, a adult beverage with, who's already done the things that you're trying to accomplish, which is really, really important. Yeah, and I think I, I think that's very important, and it's and, and it's somewhat of a loss part as the league goes younger, because I can only remember when I came in the league, if I didn't have nobody, if I didn't have Francisco Garcia or John Salmons telling me what to do and giving me game, like especially coming into a losing situation, I don't yeah. know where my career would have went. And, you know, for these young guys that are coming in 19, 20, like you said, they're going to the situations where their vet is 23 years old and he doesn't really know everything. So, like, mm -hmm. it's hard to learn from somebody that is trying to learn himself. So veterans are definitely needed in the league still, whether they get an opportunity to play still or not. I think they're needed in that locker room in, in terms of, showing these young guys how to be professional each and every day. Um, them seeing a guy who's done it at a high level and can still do it with given the opportunity and also somebody they can connect with. As you know, the age gap from a coach to a player is, is for most teams is, is a huge age gap. And these young guys can't go into them offices comfortable and connect with a guy that's right. 40, 50 years older than him. Like it's just, it's it's just it's just hard for them to do and and be comfortable and voice their opinions rather them go to somebody in the locker room this 12 years in the league be like man can you help me with this i'm i'm dealing with this i don't know how to you know move forward with that so i i think there's a fine line between having bets and the league going young the the, the yeah. league needs the veteran players for sure it's funny you should say that because it took me to a place where i was going to talk to you about um ote so you dumped in broadcasting for overtime elite this year and um they've got a couple of players that are going to be drafted probably top six or eight depending on what uh mock you're looking at and it's a man and a star thompson right and 
a part of the, the OTE experience is, um, you know, learning the real life skills and all the media skills and everything else. So maybe they can sort of learn to relate to some of those, you know, guys that you're talking to during interviews and stuff. But I'm just curious because, look, I watched a lot of basketball in my life, 23 years covering the sport now. And I feel like I know good basketball players when I see them. And am I crazy or are the Thompsons something kind of special? No, they're they're special for sure. Like 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 you said, I, I've got to broadcast on the OT platform and to see them so many times this year, to see how they how serious they take the game at their age. Like there's no messing around once they get in that get in between those lines. And I haven't really you see that every now and then from a from a younger guy, but like for them both to have their like their head on their shoulders, they're knowing their goal and they're chasing it and going for it. Like they're locked in. Every time I was in Atlanta for OTE and I worked out in the gym either before their games on a day off, like they were always in there. There was one particular time I walked in and they were both on a laptop watching film. Like I've never seen a 19-year-old do that or 18, 19-year-old high schooler do those things. Like that was when, – when I look back at it, I was like, oh, they're professional athletes. Like they, they, they want it that bad to see just how, how locked in there they are. And then don't talk about their game. Like they're physically ready. They're physically ready. They're defenders. They defend at a high level. They do a lot of things that kids at that age don't do. And I'm excited to see their future in the NBA. Like they're, they're, they're potential stars in the NBA for sure. On both it's ends funny. of the floor. Yeah, I mean, I love watching them defend. They were, uh, I was hanging out with them at game three of Celtics Hawks and Asar uh, was, the way we were sitting, it was like me and a man in one row and Asar right in front of me. And for like a quarter of the game, he was watching his own workout footage because they're, you know, obviously getting ready for pre-draft and he's just like working on, you know, getting to a spot and rising up and he's just watching it over and over again and criticizing himself and asking his brother questions. It's It's crazy how locked in they are. But I'm wondering, because you mentioned before about drilling versus playing right nobody really knows whether these ote players are going to develop or translate immediately to the league maybe it takes them longer maybe it's shorter what do you think about that and sort of how they are developed versus let's say college kids you know obviously you're going to Washington. Yeah. i think ote if you're good enough you should go especially if your goal is to get to the nba they have all the resources for the pro level game um they play with the NBA balls, NBA rules. You're getting taught by, you know, former NBA coaches, college coaches. It's like the opportunity of a lifetime if you're if if your goal is to go to the NBA. Like I, I told them when I first went there, like if I was good enough in high school, like that's somewhere I'm going. Because it, it's it's giving you all the breaks down on the court, off the court. You're living on your own. You have your resources. Like you're you're becoming a professional athlete at that age. And I think it's, I mean, it's a hell of an opportunity. And there's there's guys in that, you know, in that platform that are, that are taking full advantage of the opportunity. And there's NBA scouts every night, every night yeah. that they play, every practice. Like, it's it's definitely an opportunity that, like, I don't see around the, the United States. Like, that's something that happens, you know, when when guys are coming up overseas. And I, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a lane that guys should take serious. And especially if you're, you got the potential to make the NBA, like it's, it's yeah. a perfect situation for sure. I think after the Thompson twins sort of get into the league, people are just going to look at it a little closer and a lot more eyes will be on it after seeing what they can do. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing them. I've heard a lot of great stuff about it. I mean, seeing them online, the athleticism obviously stands out right away, but you talked about it. If they can guard early, that's a that's a key to being able to get minutes um right away in this league. If you can play defense, that's the hardest part of the NBA. Offense is generally speaking, the most talented guys figure that out, spacing, shooting, when to penetrate, when to cut. But if you can guard, then there's definitely a room for you. Oh yeah, and they and they got action because they, they they could guard multiple positions. Yeah, which is important, especially with you know, small ball fives and, you know, guys that used to play two playing the four now. For sure. uh, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, I, I guarded some guys that played a two. Now they playing the four. And I'm looking like <laughs> 10 years ago, he was playing a two. This is crazy. It's crazy how it works. Crazy. I wanted to discuss the playoffs. But before we get into the playoffs, um, I got a note here that I, I have to ask you about this. And I still haven't been able to make it yet. But we got to talk about uh, your Zekan, your Isaiah Zekan. 
Yeah. The, the weekend that you have and kind of what that's about in terms of not only hooping, but the, the charitable contributions that go into that and, and, and what that impact does for your community. Um, so we have a I have a basketball tournament called the Zeke Inn. Uh, we've done it. I think this is, this would be the eighth year we've done it. Um, it just brings the community together. It's something that is big in the community. That's Coma, Seattle area. Um, and it's fun. It's a it's a 2014 tournament. You know, it's for bragging rights in the city. All the NBA players from the city usually have a team in it, whether it be Paulo Bancaro, um, DeJounte Murray, Jamal Crawford usually plays on my team. So it's a line of guys that always have their team. And then it's local guys that, you know, didn't make the NBA, that still love playing the game, that come and um, compete in the tournament. But also, you know, the biggest thing for me is for the kids, as we don't have the Seattle Sonics no more. This gives kids in the community a chance to see NBA players, not just the local NBA players, but, you know, friends of mine throughout the leagues, they come come to my city of Tacoma, Washington and show love to the community. So it's it's a big weekend for the city. Um, this year we're doing it August 5th and 6th. Um, we have a few events around it. It's not confirmed yet, but I'll always be bringing, you know, the young stars of the NBA to the city so the kids can be able to interact with these guys, touch them, feel them, take pictures with them. Um, and it's also a give back for the, you know, the community and my foundation of the um, Thomas Family Giving Fund. Um, all local boys and girls clubs, you know, around the city are welcome to come because I'm a boys and girls club kid. So I always look, you know, first and foremost to give back to boys and girls clubs. So, you know, those kids are always welcome and they're free. Um, it's something that, you know, it's something big for me just because it's an outlet to get off the streets for a weekend to have somewhere to come and, and have good fellowship and have good, you know, vibes and positive energy. And, you know, the city is always looking forward to that weekend. You know, we got to have you out one weekend, even if you're not playing just to, you mm -hmm. know, for them kids to see you take pictures. You know, I see they seen CJ. McCollum oh, you mean CJ? So, oh, okay, you know. not me. Sorry. No, nah, no, nah, you can come out too. You know, I know nah, some kids know you as well. <laughs> I was about to ask you. Did you get you get the professor out there? Is he from the northwest? No, nah, he's from the northwest, but I need him to come out there. You know, he's a he's a celebrity. Yeah, you know, he's a fan. He's from the Oregon area. Yeah, that's right. No, that's dope, man. I just wanted to make sure that we we talked about that because I know that's something that I've seen, and I always check out the clips on Instagram and, and see the highlights of. Uh, all the talent out there, and and I think Mike James has played it in a few times too. Oh, Mike just, James, yeah, you know yeah. he's a he's a he's a he's a celebrity in that for sure. The kid, yeah, the, he, the people come to see Mike James. He be getting to wait. It, which man. Mike James is that? Because there's a couple. Uh, Mike James that plays for Monaco right now. Um, oh, okay, not the one I was thinking of. I think the Mike James yeah. I'm thinking of is in his 40s by now. Yeah, yeah no, this is younger Mike like, James. He could come out and hoop too if he wants to. Mike James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this Mike James played Brooklyn. One. Playoffs. I know I'm in New York right now as we record this. I normally say my location. I went to the Knicks Heat game, um, game two. You're dressed like a New Yorker today. Black hoodie with the black beanie. I packed right all up. sweats, man. You know, I'm out here. I'm, I'm, I got my cast off, so I'm, all, I'm in all sweats every day except for I'll do TV this week and I'll be in a suit. But other than that, I'm in all sweats. The garden was rocking, man. I hadn't been in the garden. I haven't gone to a game in the garden besides playing in it ever to say that. And I have never seen a playoff game in the garden. I've only seen playoff games in golden state in Cleveland in Boston and somewhere else. So I've seen those types of atmosphere, obviously finals and conference finals, but to see a, a round two game two, it was rocking. And I think this is a good series. That's an underrated series. Obviously there's a lot of injuries and stuff, but I want to talk about Jalen Brunson. Under six foot, great midi, great story in terms of, you know, how he went to Villanova, you know, multiple chips with Josh Hart, becomes teammates with Josh Hart again, plays with Luca for a while, gets to learn from Luca, play alongside Luca, then kind of figure out um, how his game is going to go to the next level. Luca gets hurt, gets to kind of show out, right? 40 baller, 40 baller two in the playoffs. Dallas offers him a deal. I think he ends up declining it, and then they're not able to come to terms. He signs in New York on what people say is an outrageous deal, right? $104 million over four years, I believe. And now it's looking like a bargain. He's leading. He's winning. He's hitting big shots down the stretch. 
and he's under six foot while he does all of this. It makes the game look easy. And I think this is an important factor here. Skills matter. And I think a lot of kids think you got to be athletic. You got to be tall. Like, no, you need to work on your game. You need to have good footwork. You need to have a solid understanding of fundamentals, be able to hit a pull up, make your free throws, be able to hit a floater because you can't dunk on everybody. And you got to be able to shoot, catch and shoot threes. And I think this is a guy who's a three level scorer at 5'11", who was top five in the NBA in paint percentage points in terms of like what he shoots in that, like, I don't know, it's four to eight feet, which is basically like the floater, but he shoots it as a jumper because it's like seven feet away. And he has an elite post game and they're doing all of this without having Julius Randle in game one. And Miami's doing all of this in terms of maybe she probably should have won game two, if I'm being honest, without Jimmy and without Hero. This is a crazy series. Like, what, what are you guys' thoughts on this series so far? And then we can get into Jalen Brunson because I got so many thoughts, gotta but IT's got to go first. Uh, my my thoughts, it's one of them old school series, I think, being played very physical. Um, it's just like they're two really good, well coached teams they don't always need their stars to win. And that that says a lot about how coached they are, how much they believe in each other, um, next man up mentality. And I, I feel like like those two teams are destined for a seven-game series. Like, it, it, it just seems like – because nobody's the favorite in any game. Like, you would think the Knicks would have been the favorite last game without Jimmy Butler. But it was like – like you said, the Heat had that game. Like, they they – it, it seemed like they should have won that game, but due to Brunson, Julius Randle, the, the New York Knicks energy in the garden, like they snuck one out of there, which was huge for them to go to Miami tied 1-1. So, you know, it's it's going to be a good series. I got it going seven, though. I got it going seven. All right. Let me start here because when I close my eyes and listen to you <clears throat> talk about Jalen Brunson, even though – excuse me <clears> – <throat> even though I don't like see the game when I watch them, I hear prime Tim Hardaway. Like you talk about, you know, can pull up from the outside, can, you know, the mid range where he kind of looks like a jumper. It's like a push shot or whatever, even though it's a shorty, the post-up game, the smart decision-making. I'm like, it's kind of like a lefty Tim Hardaway, you know, maybe not all the the wiggles and the fast, you know, in the fast break with the, the crossover and stuff, but that's pretty, pretty high praise, especially for me coming from a heat guy. But um, I, I like that you're saying it's going to go seven. I think it's heat and five. I think the Knicks uh, probably a little bit demoralized after that game. Um, I'm not going to really harp on because this is what losers do. I'm not going to harp on the fact that the refs should have let that Gabe Vincent basket go and then review it to see if it was a 24 second violation because it clearly hit the rim and that was starting a three point game into a one point game. But I'm not going to get into that or the fact that Scott Foster 6-0 against the Heat this year in the play, in the regular season. Not going to get into that. I just want to say that I feel like these. it's crazy how these teams, like you mentioned Tibbs and how well they're coached, but you're right. It doesn't matter who has to do it. It could be hard. It could be R.J. Barrett. It could be um, you know Julius Randle on one game. And then the part that I just didn't see coming is the Heat being able to do that without Jim, given everything that he has done for them. But – to me, what that tells me is one of the things that he has done for that team, which goes unnoticed or unsaid, is instill confidence in these guys. Because if I'm, you know, Max Struess or Duncan Robinson or, or Bam even, who's always being asked to do more and more and more, like, if if I didn't have Jimmy's backing, I would probably wet myself out there. You know, I'd probably be like, ah, it's not really my spot. We're missing Jimmy. Let's just get this game over with. And so I think, I don't know, you guys tell me, from a, ser a playoff series a game to the next, does that momentum carry over? Because the Knicks, I would imagine if the Heat go on a little bit of a run, the Knicks got to be thinking, man, like we had a chance and we blew it in that game one. And now they got Jimmy back and we might be screwed. This is what I think. I think you're right about the Heat probably winning this series because of how well they've competed and show that they can compete without Jimmy. Like the fact that, like you said before, they could rely on Vincent Strews, Martin. Martin had a great game the other night. Makes big plays, plays defense, does all the little things like an ideal role player. Can catch and shoot. You got Cody Zeller who comes in and just bangs, gives you great minutes. Kyle's coming off the bench, playmaking, making the right plays defensively. Big shot maker, big shot taker if you need him down the stretch. 
and you got Duncan Robinson, who didn't play for more than half of the season, shoots 100%, basically, true shooting percentage in, in round one and comes in and gets up seven to ten three-point attempts a game at a high clip. Like, they just get it done. Spo coaches really well. He mixes in zone. He mixes in different matchup zones. Bam out of Bayou, you know he's going to do what he does. Like, I think if you look at the matchup right now, it has to be leaning towards the heat. With the split going back home, it's not a series until you went on the road. Miami went in one game, one on the road. And they show that they they probably should have won game two. And it took a Herculean, Herculean effort, right? Jalen had to get 30. RJ basically had 16 in the first quarter. I think he had 20 in the first half or 22 in the first half. Like, it took their main, their big three to basically all get, call it 26 26 on average between the three of them and they win by six at home and basically what was a must win so i think it goes back to miami jimmy gets six days in between games because he took off already so they win game three i think they win game four lose game five so i would say miami in six but that's basically five because they should have won game two um as well but i think i say all this to say I could be wrong, just like I was wrong about um, the Suns in uh, Denver. I thought there's no way they go down 0-2, and they did. So that's my spiel. <laughs> well, I got yeah, seven. Yeah. You got six. You Who got you got behind. in seven, though? Who you have in seven? Let, let's. I'm gonna go with the Heat. I'm gonna go with the Heat. Okay. okay yeah, so that means I, 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 I kind of piggybacking on your what you're saying about. The, the Knicks played so well and they still snuck a win out. Like, that's tough. That's tough. And that's that's like bulletin board things you write down. Like, as when, when you lost game two, you're like, we didn't have Jimmy Butler. We don't have Hero either that we keep forgetting about. And we still had an opportunity to win game two on the road. So, I got the heat in yeah, seven. No victor either. Oh, no victor either. No victor. Could you imagine a game seven in the garden to go oh, to the yeah, so to good. go to the conference finals? That's how you know you're a real celebrity. What what seats you get at a game seven? What seat do you get at a game seven in the garden? <laughs> For a chance That's to go the to the A list, B list. That 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 gives you the list of who's on that front row on a game seven. That's wild. Yeah. Going from east to west. I know we all watched the Lakers game. This is being recorded on Wednesday, so it was last night. Anthony Davis gets a lot of criticism, man. A lot of people talk about AD. Oh, he's this, he's that. He's getting hurt. He's inconsistent, whatever. He got to be more aggressive. He got to be more assertive. I seen what I seen last night and what I seen in that first round of series. That boy impacts the game on both sides of the ball. He, you could argue he's been the best player in the playoffs outside of Jimmy Butler. It's him in terms of impact defensively. He averaged about five blocks a game in the first round against the Memphis Grizzlies, completely changed the game in the paint. Wasn't great offensively, but, like, what he did defensively was enough to win the series. And then he goes in, he goes into the Bay and manhandles everyone, floaters, pull-ups, dunks, block shots. They basically front <laughs> face guarded Steph, funneled him to AD and said, good luck scoring on AD. And then he went and got 30 and 20. I think that's the second time that's ever happened in playoff history. 30-20, I think he had five blocks or something like that. How good is Anthony Davis, and why do we take him for granted? By we, I mean the media and fans. Yeah. Um, Anthony Davis is arguably, when he's done with his career, he's going to be arguably one of the best bigs ever. Like, he has no weakness, and I think his injuries and how he gets injured is what people, like the downfall of how good he is. And 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 I think that more so for the media than his peers like everybody understands how good anthony davis is and he showed he has shown this playoffs and reminded people how dominant he could be each and every night and i think when he's i think the biggest thing that that helped him especially with this season is Braun being out towards the end of the year and it gave like a reminder maybe to himself that yeah this can be my team and we're, we're going to go as far as i take them and i think he has that mindset going into each and every game and it's showing like last night he was unguardable. He did everything. Like he probably slowed down just a little bit in the third quarter, but other than that, it was like a complete game. And that's what the world is expecting each and every night from him. Even if it's, you know, even if it's impossible to get that with him being hurt every now and then the world wants 30 and 20 and five from him because he's that good. Yeah. To me, the crazy part about Anthony Davis last night was, 
the variety with which he was giving it to you. It wasn't like they were just giving it to him in the mid or high post and he was just going to work. It was a lot of it was on the move, you know, and that's the thing about him. He can do the slow post up, the quick catch and, you know, jump shot uh, or push shot or whatever. He can you know, give you a couple pivots and, and do all that. Um, and so it's a nightmare to defend because even if you're the Warriors and have that level of defensive game plan against him, he'll just give it to you a different way or LeBron will set him up differently. But I think the thing with him and the reason, you know, I'll speak for the media myself here um, is, is the, he gets a hard time. It's not because of he, the fact that he can play. The fact that he can play this good is why people give him a hard time is because he's just not available as often. And, and, and that's just one of those things you don't know how to blame him for. Can you blame him for injuries? No, but I do know this. Like there's that feeling is always there. Like he went down in the last series. I forget which game it was early in the series. And Dennis Schroeder basically went over there and told him to get up. You know what I mean? It was one of those like giving him his hand, but he's like, come on, come on, you're fine. Come on. And it was one of those like, all right, things might hurt, but you just play through them. And when nobody knows what he's feeling, nobody knows what he's playing through. So it's, it's hard to criticize. And that's why I think people get on it. It's just like, you can criticize him for not showing up, but then you, criticize the critics because they don't know what he's going through. And so what we want to see is this. We just want to see it all play out and let it be, like you said, IT, him be one of the best big men of all time. And I think if this remains, you know, this level of play and he remains healthy, he's going to go down as such. But I do want to, you mentioned mindset and his mindset. I want to talk about Jordan Poole's mindset. <clears throat> You're down three there and you've got, you know, he's hit what, six threes in this game so far. You're down three. Uh, Steph gets double to get the ball out of his hands. Still plenty of time on the clock, but you take effectively a logo three for the tie. Um, did you want to punch him in the face? No, no, no. I won't ask it that way. <laughs> what did you think of the shot, IT? <laughs> I like obviously Jordan Poole is a great shooter. He's he's probably hit a lot of those shots in his young career. But for me, I. I would have probably stepped in just a tad bit and tried to tried to get a little closer shot. Like I'm not saying it's a horrible shot and he's not capable of making it, but like let Curry shoot that one. And then we live with it. Like I, I, that was a tough shot for me to live with. And I'm not even on the team. Like he could have stepped in. And like you said, there was 10, 11 seconds left. Like it wasn't like it was a buzzer beater and you needed to take that shot. So I think, I would think he would he would take that back as well. But, you know, you live and you learn. It was an open shot. It just was a little too far for me. CJ, you heard Tyrese Halliburton say he would take that shot. Would you? Would I? I've never seen a shot I don't like. So I, <laughs> I'm not I'm not arguing about the fact that he shot it. Similarly, what IT is saying, like, I fell asleep on the game. First of all, I thought the game was over. I'm going to go on record now saying that if the Lakers continue to play like this, there's no way they lose. By lose, I mean, like, they're going to the finals and they're probably going to win a championship if they play like this, which is hard to do. But I fell asleep. I thought the game was over. I was like, okay, like AD's dominating. Steph's not in rhythm. Clay's not really in rhythm. Pool's playing well, but like they're not getting stops. They ain't got no answers. D'Lo's getting off. Bron is, is just being aggressive, not really efficient like he normally is, but he's being aggressive. They're not losing this game. And when I woke up and seen that, first of all, when I seen that, Poole shot it, I thought to myself, well, how did he get the ball? Because I know the ball would be in Steph's hands if they came back. Steph got double teamed. He got trapped at half court. Not Poole's fault. But it is his fault that he get close to the line. I, I say this all the time to some of my teammates. Trey Murphy, for example, he shoots threes from very far out. And I watch him practice it, so I don't mind. But if you have a chance to get closer to the line, why not get closer? Because percentage-wise, your percentage goes up as you get closer to the basket unless you're you don't know Trey Young or Steph Curry, basically, and Dane. They shoot like probably a little higher from out further because of the value. But I don't mind the shot at all because Steph was trapped and Clay was getting denied in the corner. Clay wasn't getting that ball. So he had to take the shot or get fouled or shoot a two or whatever. Like he had to make a decision. But I don't think he should have shot it from that far out. And I think that's a, a sign of understanding spacing, understanding timing and score, but also understanding that like if you're going to take this shot, we don't care if you make or miss, but be on the line or close to the line if nobody's guarding you. Like if you have to shoot a three from 32 feet, then cool. But you didn't have to. You chose to. And I think that's why the Internet reacted the way they did, because yeah. he it, it almost seemed like he chose to do that. And he thought it was good by how he, he reacted when he shot it. <laughs> sure. He backing up. He thought for sure this is three, <laughs> this is this is my seventh three. I, I didn't play as well as I like to in the first series. Like I, I'm getting it back tonight.
And it's crazy, too, because throughout that game, even uh, more so in the first half and the second half, but I remember moments where I was just like, man, that was a good look where Jordan Poole found Steph. And he basically stopped the offense, not stopped the offense, but like purposely stopped his offense, waited for everything to develop, and then found Steph. And I was like, that's the Jordan Poole, you know, that you can't be mad at, right? He might make a defensive mistake here or there, but he's playing smart, getting his and finding Steph. And then at the end, he does that. And all that is kind of crazy because like when I think of where just when the playoffs started, you would have asked me who the favorites were. I think in order, I said Celtics, I had them win it all, Bucks, and then Suns were my top three. You ask me today, it's crazy just based on how they're playing. I go Lakers, Nuggets, Sixers. And Lakers and Nuggets, Sixers would have been up there, I think, regardless. They're probably my fourth team before the playoffs. But right now, the Lakers and Nuggets being up there, Pretty shocking. Like, uh, CJ, you mentioned it, that the Lakers look so good right now. IT, like, is anybody, like, favored over them when you got AD healthy and LeBron just kind of, you know, orchestrating and the defense playing the way it is? No, not at all. Like CJ said, if they can continue to play as close as possible to that, that's like a championship team. Like, that's what they probably envision starting training camp. Like that, like like how they play and LeBron, like efficient, efficient wise, like he wasn't even that you know dominant last game. So like, don't allow him to have a thirty point, ten assist game, eight rebound, along with Anthony Davis playing like he did, and then D'Lo and the supporting cast continue to play like that. Like that that says Lakers championship all over it and. The piggyback, what you said, I definitely didn't have the Lakers going far in the playoffs at all. Like, Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. But seeing how they played yesterday, if they could play close to that, they can control a lot of what they can control a lot of things in this this year's playoffs for sure. Uh, CJ, you think they're the favorites right now, or do you think it's more of a Nuggets Sixers type of look? I think the favorites are Lakers and Nuggets. I think you're you're spot on. Wow. And if anybody watched those games, right, you watched how the Lakers won in the first round against the the Grizzlies. Outside of the Dylan Brooks stuff that was going on, they had a different leading score in all six games. Like like you talk about championship DNA, championships are won by star players. And role players. But I think the role yeah. players are more important than the star players in the playoffs. Look at the Suns right now. Like, you expect AD to get 30, even though it's not realistic for him to get 30 and 20 every night. You expect him to shoot enough to get close to 30. You expect Bron to shoot enough to get close to 30. Same for Book and KD. But you don't expect Dennis Schroeder to get 19 off the bench. Like, you don't expect it to happen consistently. But when they can do that, when they can have a, a Austin Reeves game, right? When you can have a, a game where... Rui get, gets off like he did in Andy the first round. Can have a night, yeah. That's a championship DNA because you know you're going to get unexpected contributions that become expected. Like you expect it to happen. Now look at the Warriors; they went seven games mainly because who didn't have his best series. Like if we're being honest, like yeah. Sacramento played great. They deserved to win. They had a Harrison Barnes mystery that probably changes the series. Shout out to my guy HB. 
they had a lot of chances to win, right? They had a elimination game on their home floor in game seven. But Sabonis offensively wasn't great, which is what they probably needed. Monk was great, though. So Monk played so well, it didn't matter that Sabonis wasn't getting 25 a night. But the fact yeah. that Poole wasn't getting 20 a night, it hurt the Warriors, and it caused the series to last longer than it probably should have, if we're yeah. all being honest, because... We yeah, I say all this to say Lakers look really, really good. And if they play like this, they're going to the conference finals for sure, which is to be assumed. But Denver, the way Denver is playing, that Laker, hypothetically, a Lakers-Denver conference finals, AD versus Joker. I mean, what are we looking at, IT, with, with Jokic? Because people wanted to knock him just because they didn't want to give him a third MVP. But now that that's out of the way, like, look what he just did. Like, what are we watching here with him? Uh, we're watching greatness. We're watching somebody that you can't figure out. Like, it's hard to stop a player, especially a star player, that is really looking to get others involved first and foremost. Then his last option is like, dang, I got a score. Okay, let me put this in the basket. Like, that's hard to guard. And then with his supporting cast, like they really play the right way of basketball. Like they're making it. I had, I Suns were my favorite to get, at least get past them. And they're making the Suns look not as special as they did, you know, when they announced the trade that KD was coming to Phoenix. So Denver, they're well coached. Um, it's hard to just key in on Joker because you have Jamal Murray, you have Michael Porter Jr. who can, give you 25 to 30 on any given night. Then the sporting cast of KCP and Aaron Gordon, like they give you a lot. And then Bruce Brown, like they're giving you a lot from so many different players. And like CJ said, with the, with the, um, with the Lakers, like in the first round, there were six different players leading and scoring. That's like, that's like how the Denver Nuggets are made. Obviously, with Joker's going to lead them in score and assist for the most part. But everybody else, like, if they continue to play like that, they're so hard to defend because they're constantly moving. You're eyeing on a center that's really on the perimeter at the top of the key. Like, it's – it's it's very, they put you in tough situations, and they're doing that to the Phoenix Suns right now in yeah, every wanna, possible way. You mentioned an efficient game. Uh, I wanted to ask you if you remember this game. Uh, you were still on the Cavs. It was uh, – not your favorite season, obviously, coming after that Boston season. But um, LeBron in D.C., it was like the ninth or tenth game of the season. The team had lost like four in a row. And he just went off for like 57. Uh, it's just a ridiculous, uh, you know, rebounds and assists. And I think, not I think, according to like game score, it's his best game ever. You have any, remember, you remember that game at all? Or all his games? Yeah, I remember. I was, because I was still hurt. I was on the bench. I remember that game. He had to. I think he had one white shoe on, one black Nike shoe on. It was like, yeah. it was like, what are the crazy shoes he had on? And that was like one of those games where he did it all in every possible way, dominating in the paint, hitting jumpers. I think he had like 10 assists that game too. Like he controlled the whole game. And that's like the piggyback, what you're on, what you're saying. Like, I feel like that's how Joker is each and every night. Like it's that hard to defend him and to, to try to slow him down because he's really great at a lot of things. Like usually superstars and stars, you're like, let's limit him to 25 points. Let's try to slow him down with getting the amount of baskets. Like you're trying to slow him down on the boards. You're trying to slow him down, not from getting 15 assists. You're trying to slow him down from getting 30 points. Like you got to pick your poison. And I feel like the Suns are like, like obviously they're going to make adjustments, but, they're they're probably tripping right now. Like, what what do we do next? <laughs> like, we can't ask DeAndre Ayton. Like, like, what, what, are you what do we do? do? <laughs> and I think the funniest part about all this is that I said the Suns would win this series, and I think a lot of people just assumed and give Denver credit because they haven't gotten the credit they deserve at all. Like, they're a number one seed and basically dogs in the minds of most people um, outside of their fan base and outside of people that watch the Denver Nuggets consistently. They probably were dogs in this series. And they've gone out and just punched Phoenix right in the mouth from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And is he, I remember you asking me about Joker and I said, he's going to get his 30 and 10. But I said, the issue would be everybody else. Like I know what Jamal Murray is capable of. I've played against him in the playoffs. I've seen it, but the issue would be how well did the role players play? Paul, Will Pope shooting the ball. Well, Porter Aaron Jr. Gordon's muscling up. 
Gordon's shooting the ball well too. And he's not even a shooter. Like they're all right. playing extremely confident. And I think they understand what's at stake here. Like they really got a chance. And for the first time in a long time, I had a fan tell me, I'm really engaged in watching the playoffs now because it's wide open. Yeah. It's wide open. Like the Sixers could mess around and get to the finals. Boston could get to the finals. Lakers could. Warriors could. Like it's wide open. And I think everybody as fans realize it. And I think players and organizations realize it too. Like, a lot of teams got action, but right now I think it's the I think it's the Lakers, Denver at the top um of the West, and I think it's the Sixers in Boston, um, in the East. But just think about it. Think about if if the Heat continue to prolong their season, mm-hmm. prolong it, and then Hero comes back, and all of a sudden you're healthy going into <laughs> a potential finals. Get like crazier things have happened, and you got an elite coach over there. Yeah. And we'll leave, I'll leave it leave it at this. We can wrap up. But I did. You mentioned our take on, on the Nuggets. And there was somebody who tweeted at me that I should be fired for my lazy take on the Nuggets in last week's podcast. And it just made me laugh because I'm thinking of the possibility of like Norby Williamson calling me into his office and being like, man, it's been a good 11, 12 years. But, you know, you had that one take on the Nuggets and we're just going to have to let you go. <laughs> that that would be amazing. But CJ knows nobody even knows I'm on this podcast. So they won't hear anything. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You're sick. You are sick. You know, the funniest part is that last year I said I went to I went to I went and watched Boston play. Um I was I was in CBA negotiation. And I covered game three in Boston. I think the Steph Curry game where, where Steph went off and had 40. Game they were down two one, game four, two one. And I said Boston's gonna win this series. And I told Dre, I was like, yeah, I just want you to know I went on TV and I said Boston's gonna win this series. Like, I ain't like we're friends. Like, uh-huh. I want you to think I was talking talking about you behind your back. And he said, We'll talk about this later. And then long story short, they went on to win the series. And he said, Yeah, and you <laughs> they gonna be ringless just like you are forever, or something like that. Like he was joking. <laughs> like he was wow. joking. Like, you know, it was funny. And fans were like, This is what you get. You hate the Warriors, you hate all these teams. I'm like, no, I just watched the game and I I pick a side, like. I think this team's going to win. And when they don't win, like it is what it is. Like, like, I'm not going to go against it. And I'm saying this now, like I thought Denver was going to lose this series. Now I would be surprised if they lose this series, whether CP comes back or not, because he's going through that injury now and their team dynamic is completely different when he's not in the game. Like it's completely different. And without him cancel Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Vacation. (laughs) Yeah, it's Christmas, man. I appreciate you coming on the pod. Is there anything else that you want to, you want to talk about while we're on here? I know you got to go hoop soon. Nah, nah, I'm good. I appreciate y'all having me, man. I, you know, I hear great things about the pod. I see all the things on social media, so I had to tap in with you guys. I appreciate you having me. No, no problem, man. I appreciate you coming on. Good luck with everything. And one of these times, I'm gonna get out there for sure. I, I'm, I'm in the midst of a, a wild summer this summer, but I'm gonna get out there. Mark my words. Oh, you got to. It might you be late. To. It might be. It might be my mid to late thirties, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna make it out there. It, it's all good. As long as you show face, you good. I sure, see, and I'll I never let people forget that how special a season that was with Boston. Like that was historic, and that was. Hey, I, pre- I appreciate that. that. That always means a lot. Yes, sir. Yeah.